It's time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. Good morning, South Coast. I'm Tom Hodgson filling in for Tim Weisberg today. Uh, I'm with uh, Mike, who's who's running the board for me today. Thank you, Mike. Uh, I'm one of these guys that can't do two things at once. I can I can talk, no problem. But if you're going to ask me to do some technical things at the same time, uh, it's probably not going to work out well. And I don't want to cut off any callers. I want to make sure that uh, that I do the best I can to fill in for Tim, who's a real real expert who can do it all. But at any rate, uh, what a uh, what a, uh, a day it is today with uh, our New Hampshire primary coming up uh, tomorrow. Uh, it's getting very, very exciting for at least for me, and I think for a lot of people. Uh, we're starting to see some real uh, movement on the part of President Trump, where I think the other candidates are going to start. Uh, well, we know Ron DeSantis has dropped out, and. Um, I don't think too many people were surprised once they heard the news that he was canceling his his Sunday shows, and it it was pretty pretty apparent then that something was going on. And I look, I like Ron DeSantis. Uh, I think he's a very capable person. I think Nikki Haley's very capable. Um, but we're going to get into this pretty in depth a little later on the show, and I'm going to have a guest in our operations vice chair for the Trump campaign here in Massachusetts to talk more about it. I just got back last night from New Hampshire. I was up there for two days working on the phones, uh, getting uh, voters motivated to get out and vote. We hope they, they will. And, um, and spending a lot of time, uh, of course, at the, the rally and mingling with people, not only from Massachusetts. And we had probably close to 40 or 50 people up there from Massachusetts at the uh, rally and working at the headquarters, which was really great to see. And I, I'm really starting to see, I don't know about you, but sadly, uh, we've seen a lot of things that have gone wrong over the course of the last three years under the current administration. And um, I think people are, unfortunately, by the fact that there were so many things that didn't go as well as Americans wanted it to, that we're now at a place where people finally unified around our future. And, and party doesn't much matter anymore. It, it did before where we started to become very divided over issues. And and I think people have finally all been impacted in so many personal ways from the cost of food care to health care. Um, people are exhausting their, their credit and um, having a pretty difficult time trying to make ends meet. And I think regardless of what your party affiliation is, um, those things are a priority. When you think about safety in our communities, the impacts of illegal immigration, people pouring into our country by millions uh, in violation of our laws, all of these things have, have brought Americans to a point, almost a breaking point, to say, I'm going to focus on what is going to get us results. And I think most of us would agree that 
government has been broken for some time. Congress doesn't seem to be able to get anything done. Uh, we have an administration who has basically, in so many ways, been absent on the most important issues that matter to us. And so we're now put in the crosshairs of making a decision of what we want this country to be. And it is really up to us. We can't any longer just ignore the fact that there are people we put in office and just say we expect them to do the job because they're not. So what are we going to do about it? And that's something we're going to talk about in the next uh, three hours and, um, and other things as well. And I wanted to get uh, to, to a very sad uh, beginning of the show, and, and that's to uh, support and, um, and pray for the families of the two Navy SEALs that they've now declared who are dead, who were on a, a, a mission off the coast of Somalia to to get the uh, weapons away from uh, the our enemies over there. And um, unfortunately, and I know, I think Japan and the United States and maybe maybe uh, Great Britain, I'm not sure, um, were working for days. I think they covered 21,000 miles or something to search for these Navy SEALs. Apparently, they were trying to, lo- to get onto a boat in rough seas. One of them... Uh, had gotten up, but the other fell off, and um, so the other Navy SEAL jumped in, and and both of them have now been determined to have have um, been lost at sea. So I hope all of you, as you as you say your morning prayers this morning, will remember those Navy SEALs who who gave of themselves for all of us to keep us safe and to keep the world safe, and um, and their families who are left behind. It's a uh, it's a really sad sad story. And um, and God bless them for their their patriotism, um, for their commitment to all of us uh, to keep us safe and to keep America uh, safe. So uh, the other thing I want to do to uh, touch on, I don't know about you all, but when I got up to New Hampshire, it was bitter cold. And I think yesterday morning when I walked out, it was 12 degrees and I don't today here in Massachusetts there's some really good news. We're looking at I think um maybe tomorrow or the next day there's going to well we're going to see a little bit of rain for the next few days but but more importantly we're going to get up to 50 degrees. I mean get your bathing suits out, let's go. Um it's uh it's going to be a warm up, thank goodness, but it was so bitterly cold up there. I can't tell you. Uh, I could I don't know. I couldn't live up there. Um happy to visit once in a while and certainly for for this cause, but but it wouldn't be my place to uh, to settle in and and uh, live. So, anyhow, that was um, that was uh, an eye opener for me. And uh, I'm guessing none of you, most of you, are probably not outside yet. It's not too bad this morning. Uh, well, at least it felt like a heat wave for me, based on what I was dealing with. But um, but at any rate, we got lots to talk about today. Uh, I just saw, uh, speaking of weather, I just saw the Bishop uh, Guerton High School Band. I guess I shouldn't be complaining. These are young kids in high school, and they were out there in um, Bedford, New Hampshire, this morning. Uh, it was just on, on Fox. Um, I know you're surprised I'm watching Fox, but anyway, it was on Fox. And, um, and they were out there playing uh, because of the upcoming, um, the upcoming New Hampshire primary. They were out there doing their their uh, songs out in the out in the bitter cold and that was 
I'm like, I don't even know how the instruments work. I mean, Mike, think about it. You know, you're, you're blowing into these instruments. You're figuring they're going to freeze up at some point, at least the, the, the clarinets and the tubas and all that kind of stuff, right? I'm a fan of the tuba. Are you? Uh, yeah. The tuba. I used to play the trumpet. I faked the trumpet when I was in high school. I could not figure it out. But those spit, all the spit and yeah, everything, yeah, 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 yeah. getting frozen at uh, 11 degrees. Oh, yeah. Then, but I wonder what the heck they do about that. I guess just warm it up with your hands, right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the well, I don't know how the, the, the tuba. That's a that's a that's a big instrument. That's a big instrument. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, it, well, you must have if you were playing the if you're playing the tuba and then you took the trumpet and went to play it. That thing must have you must have felt like it was just going to go right past your mouth. And, <laughs> I mean, it's so light, right? Uh, compared to the tuba, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I have a nephew that uh, that he plays several instruments: a saxophone, and I don't I don't know how he does it, but he he does. He's a, he's up in. Uh, up in uh, Maine and finishing up his last year in college. But uh, I uh, I never, you know, I could do chopsticks on the piano. That was about it yeah, after that's that. More than I can do. Yeah. Oh, really? I can't. Yeah, I'm really not. I'm really not talented at much. Yeah, uh, but if you could play the tuba, that, that's something. No, I couldn't play the I, I faked playing the trumpet. Oh, you faked I, 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 I can, the valves. Oh, but I okay. Can't, so I you were just thinking I, about. I can't read music. I can't do any of that. So you were just thinking about how heavy that tuba was, I, yeah, how yeah. light the, the trumpet was, and then decided. That, I'm a fan of the tuba, but yeah. I, I can't play it. Okay. Okay. Well, that was. Well, how about a guitar? Have you ever thought of it? I can't. No, I can't. I, I don't know how to read music. Tell I'm, me you can't. I'm, can you play the piano? No. Nope. It, can you play chopsticks? Have you ever learned? No, I, I tried learning, but it didn't, didn't work. I'm not good at. at it's only two fingers. It's it's like, yeah, yeah. You're lucky that I can press these buttons here. <laughs> well, you know what? I guess I shouldn't say anything because I probably can't. Right. So it's. Uh, but anyway, I'm 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 uh, I'm really happy to be able to have the opportunity to be here uh, this morning to fill in for Tim and and I'm looking forward to spending the next three hours with you to talk about uh, whatever issues are on your mind. But but importantly, I think. The, the biggest issue right now, which is where where are we going in this upcoming presidential election? You have a, you know, you have Nikki Haley, who now is the last candidate in the primary against Donald Trump, whose main reason, or so she states, as to why she should be your choice as opposed to President Trump, is we don't need another eighty-year-old in office. Uh, people decline when they're they start getting up in age and so forth and so on. Well, that that isn't really, I don't think, playing well in the, for a number of reasons. First of all, and I'm interested in what you think about this, uh, call in at 996... Mike? 508-996-0500. Oh, I was giving you your cue. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm letting Mike play this game with me. Um, and, <laughs> read uh, my mind. Yeah, read my mind. So anyway, 508-996-0500 and uh, call in. Let me know what you think about this. This is really an important time and and uh, it'd be interesting to hear what's on your mind with regards to where you think we are, where we need to go and what, why this election will be so important based on what your concerns are. At any rate, back to, to Nikki Haley. So first of all, I'm not sure that it's a winning strategy to be talking about the fact that you know, when people get older, they're not as useful anymore or essentially as, as effective. When, in fact, uh, there are people who are, are much older than Nikki Haley, much older than Donald Trump. Some are still running in marathons. Uh, 
and 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 to suggest that somehow your your number of your age is going to impact your ability to effectively represent the people of this nation i think is is a flawed uh, strategy and here's why you need only take a look at the current situation you've got donald trump right who is moving from one event to the next nonstop uh yesterday i, I well uh, two days ago two evenings ago i was at the at the rally in new hampshire and he was as full of energy as anybody I've ever seen. In fact, he was supposed to be finishing up, and he said, "I don't want to end this thing tonight. I don't want. I'm going to keep going. Let's let's keep talking." And he did. And he went on, I think, for a good hour and a half or more, and the place was electrified. People were so ecstatic and excited because he touched on every single issue, and he related it to why he was running and why it mattered for America that he step in as a businessman, as a decision maker, and somebody who's not interested in the politics of it all versus President Biden. Where is he? I mean, this this is the president of the United States who hasn't had briefings with, with the media for weeks. He's Every week he's leaving he can't get out of the White House fast enough to get down to Delaware or take some other vacation somewhere, Camp David, whatever, but just to get away. We don't need a president that wants to get away. We need a president that wants to be engaged every day, focusing on the issues, finding ways to fix problems. When's the last time you heard President Biden saying, here's how I'm going to fix this. Here's what I want to do. This is why it should be important to you. You don't hear any of that. The media cover for him. And you know how shameful of the media and the people who are pretending that everything's okay. Well, you know what? Every one of us know they can pretend all they want. But when you go to the gas pump and you got the scowly look on your face when you look at the reflection in the glass while you're letting your your car fill up with gas at $4 a gallon or whatever it is, Knowing you paid a dollar and what, 80 cents or something when President Trump was in, and you, you're having a hard time making ends meet, you're having a hard time, you know, giving your kids things that they need, play sports or whatever else, it gets, it gets a little unnerving, but it gets very obvious to all of us that wait a minute, this is our decision. This is our time in history, all of us, much like our parents and grandparents who had a, had a different time when America, <clears throat> excuse me, when America was spiraling down in a different way. <clears throat> World War I, World War II, the Depression. <clears throat> excuse me, and they stood up for us. Here we are in a very odd, strange time with America spiraling downward from national security to our infrastructure to the health care uh, issues that are being impacted. I'm going to talk about something that should concern all of us in our area and across Massachusetts with regards to the shutting down potentially of perhaps nine hospitals and why that is. Think about it. If you're, if you're sent to the emergency room in, in hospitals around Massachusetts now, you might be in the hallway of that emergency room for two days before you get to bed. Why? 
And we're going to talk about why. Because it's very, very important that, you know, we look at these things and say, something's wrong. We've got to find a way to fix it. And we will. If we come together and we unify, not around, you know, um, not having opinion, having different opinions, that's okay. But we have to unify without, you know, hating every, somebody because they have a different point of view. We've got to unify around the things that we, we know we share in common that are troubling us, our families, our neighborhoods, and this nation. So we'll, we'll talk a lot, get, get into a lot of that and, um, and talk about, you know, how the, the impacts are hurting us locally, nationally, and also what we need to do about it. And it's not, it's not a difficult solution. We have choices now and you can see the disparity between one versus the other. And, and then it boils down to one thing choice and new hampshire is going to be a good example tomorrow how many people come out how invested are you in fixing the problem because it is our problem and it's our and it's our choice to create the solution excuse me i want to also um just making sure i keep up on time here um we don't want to miss our commercials and we don't want to miss the news um excuse me uh, two other things I wanted to point out, uh, some other sad news for re- locally, <clears throat> was um, uh, we just um, had the funeral of uh, former Mayor Jack Markey. Uh, I, I was at the wake, of course, and um, what what an amazing tribute to, to this man who had, had done so much for the community. Uh, <clears throat> when I was there, uh, we waited probably a good hour and this this is about the average time it took for the entire uh, wake from three to seven. It almost never changed. It was about an hour and a half by the time you got to the door before you could pay your respects to the family and and of course to to the former mayor Markey. And while we waited in line, there were so many stories and so many people who had talked about how he had touched them. I had a young man. Well, not necessarily a young middle-aged man came up to me and said, you know, he got very teary-eyed and emotional and said, you know, I came here because Mayor Markey was so good to me. I had I had anger issues and I actually did some time in your place. And and when I went before him when he was a judge, he, he and ever since then he would see me and always remind me, just be calm, don't overreact. And he started to get choked up. And and um, that was that was uh, pretty touching to me because you don't often you don't often hear that judges are able or or choose to to engage to that level with people who have been before them. And he had a he had a um, reputation for not not necessarily being light on people, but challenging them within themselves to be better. He'd look for the things that people had within them that they quite weren't quite able to to find to help them get to a better place and he would he would challenge them with that in a in a positive way and encourage them to to become you know better citizens better people and and did it in a way that was very i think effective uh 
and motivating for people. And he's, he touched so many people's lives. You, you, if you saw the, the, the amount of people that were there, you couldn't help but realize this is a man during his, his lifetime that looked outward, not inward. And, um, and so it was really beautiful to see that. And, and then, of course, the more recent, I just saw um, in the paper today, yesterday, um, Ben Baker, who also did a great deal for our communities in, in his service. He, I didn't know he was in the Coast Guard. Uh, he served in the Coast Guard and uh, served the country. And we were um, also blessed in this area to have someone who who worked in one of the administrations in, in New Bedford to help our community in that regard. And he did so many other things to empower our community and to, to make it a better place. So, you know, our hearts go out to the Baker family, to the Markey family, and, and our thoughts and prayers are with them. Um, and I just wanted to make sure that we, we acknowledge both men who had done so much. Many of you remember the Baker bookstore. It was very famous. Uh, but, but so much more that Ben Baker did and, and, and um, former mayor and Judge Jack Markey. So God bless them and, and uh, let's keep their families in our, in our prayers as they um, celebrate their, their lives. We're going to go to break and uh, we'll be right back after the news. Um. 1420 WBSM, as crystal clear as FM. Stream us on the WBSM app. Good morning. I'm Tom Hodgson filling in for Tim Weisberg this morning. Tim will be off, I think, today, maybe tomorrow. Uh, I'm not sure, but but certainly not going to be here today, and I'm happy to fill in for him. Uh, 508-996-0500 is the number to call in. I know it's early, but I've been up, and uh, I just got back from New Hampshire last night, and uh, the morning was obviously uh, came much quicker than I had hoped. I'm happy to be here with you all this morning to have the opportunity to talk about what is really an exciting time, I think, for all of us. Uh, this this opportunity now for us to really take a hard look over the next 10 months about where we are in this country and what we want our leadership to be going forward to deal with the, the incredible number of problems that we're faced with in this nation. These are not problems that we can't fix, uh, but it will require us to take a hard look and step up and pick the right person who has the ability, the, the um, skills to be able to to tackle these problems and create real solutions. Um, I, I, it's no secret, I think most of you know, that I'm the chairman for the Massachusetts Trump campaign. And I'm proudly, actually my second, my second time, I uh, was the chairman the last time as well. We didn't do as well as we had, had hoped. But this time, I think, uh, obviously, things have uh, changed in, in not such a good way. And, and I think it's made it more apparent that we now have a real comparison between what President Trump did in his first term in office uh, in relation to the things that matter to us, our families, our neighborhoods in this nation. Um, and so, and where we are today the difference between the two and how when you have someone that has a proven record and you know that you felt uh, more positive impacts in your, in your daily lives, you felt more secure about our nation. 
that we were respected around the world and seeing where we are today, I think all uh, makes it all that much more important and such an important time for us and, and an exciting time for us to be able to reclaim the things that are important to us. You know, too often, in my view, and I'll be interested in your thoughts on this, for the longest time when people had two cars, two homes, sometimes things were going well in the country, people sort of just relied on the people they elected to do the job, never expecting that it would turn into, for example, the capital, you know, the, the, the people who serve in Congress, that it would turn into a, a really sort of incestuous, institutionalized uh, situation in Washington where people in neighborhoods outside the Capitol and across the nation are got their hands up saying, hey, I need some help over here, I need some help over here. And both parties are spending their time, not focused on us, but focused on their own infighting, their own positioning to secure themselves in their elected offices by, by um, taking these partisan positions and not, not compromising. And when you have that happening at that level, you can imagine it starts to become the marching orders of people in America because we weren't really engaged, but then we started to see them doing it. So we started modeling that and replicating it in our own lives, in our own neighborhoods, even in sometimes in families. And that's not America. It's not who we are. It's what we've become, but it's not who we really are. And the simplest way for us to take this back is to really take a hard look at not only what they've done in our government to basically hijack it and use it for their own political purposes, but to understand that we, the people, we pay the salaries of these people there. We pay for the building they work in. We pay uh, for the seat they sit in. And it's our choice to select people who are going to do the job. And when they aren't going to do the job and they're going to spend their time focusing on infighting and, and all the, the, the things that don't help us in America, then we need to say, we're not going to continue paying your salary. We're not going to continue to allow you to work in Washington or, or for us. We're going to get somebody that understands that safety in our schools, safety in our communities, having reasonable gas prices, being able to buy a home and reclaim the American dream, you know, and, and be able to make ends meet for our families are going to be the priority. And we're, if you're not going to do it, we're going to get people that will and then, and then act on it. But in the end, if we really are honest with ourselves, then we have to take a look and say, who's really responsible? Yeah. These people hijacked, uh, the, the government in a way that they they turned it into the self-serving sort of institution that it is. But we're the ones that allowed it. And that's why this election is so critically important, not just for us and our immediate needs, but for our kids, our grandkids, and the future of America our values and our virtues that were passed on to us from our founders. 
I was saying earlier on the show that we all, at this time in history, were chosen. And we have, we have an obligation, much like our parents and grandparents. We can't have our kids look back on our lives and say, when America was spiraling downward, you know, my mother, my father, my grandfather, my grandmother, they told us they worked all their lives. It was our problem to deal with all these things. And we're the ones, frankly, who've allowed it to get to this point. Not our kids, not our grandkids. And so I think we want it said of us. When our kids grow up, and our grandkids, that they'll say of us what they, we said of our parents and grandparents. When America was spiraling downward, we stood up. We made sure that we passed on a safer, more prosperous America to our children and our grandchildren. It's our choice. And I think probably most people recognize it when they stop and think and don't get caught up in the back and forth that goes on between these politicians. I mean, you need only look at our state house. I mean, think about it. How often do we hear about people really drilling in, look at the illegal immigration issue and things like that. We're going to come back and talk about that. And what is the, the responsibility and obligation of elected officials to deal with these things and, um, and not pay lip service to our, our needs? And, and um, we'll come back, 508-996-0500. love to hear from you all. These issues are affecting you and your family and your neighborhoods and, uh, and in our nation. Let's talk about it. Let's figure out. Am I on the right page or do we just continue down the, the same path and not really our problem? We'll be right back. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. I'm Tom Hodgson filling in for Tim Weisberg. And uh, Tim, I think, is going to be back tomorrow. But um, happy to be here and happy to fill in for Tim. And Mike is uh, working the board for me. Mike's doing a phenomenal job. And, um, and it's obvious because I can't do both. Uh, not yet, anyway. But, uh, but I'm happy to have Mike here. And we have a caller on the line, our first caller. Caller, are you there? Morning, Tom. How you doing? Hi. How you doing, Ray? Not bad. Not bad. When I turned it on this morning, I was like, who is this? Who's this guy? Who is what? this masked man? Who is this? And I'm like, I'm listening. I'm like, hey, this, this, sounds like, this sounds like the sheriff. I'm like, listen, I'm listening. I'm like, this, this is weird. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. At first, I was like, they maybe let me Maybe Tim's got a cold. Maybe I was like, his voice changed. I don't know what happened. <laughs> uh, don't do that um, to Tim. <laughs> uh, so I, I have, as as a Trump um, supporter that you are, the chairman of the of the campaign, I have a question. Sure. Uh, something, something that's kind of like been on my mind for a while, right? Now, at this moment in time, I, I do not support the former. I don't support either guy right now. Yep. But my my one of my main concerns that's always on my mind is his past administration has been filled with not just one or two uh, people who have a gripe against them, but it's it's a significant amount of people who left his administration and do not have much, uh, you know to say about him in, in, in a good light from the former ambassador, John Bolton to general Kelly to general Mattis, all these individuals 
who I, I do respect, you know, people like John Bolton, especially uh, General Mattis. General Mattis is one of the greatest uh, people, I think, that have led our, our military in a while. Um, but they've all come out and all said different things in regards to his leadership capabilities. And that, and that, that concerns me. It's not just one guy with a gripe that has just bad blood between the guys and, and, and that individual. It's, it's a handful of people. Um, and, and I was just wondering, how do you rectify that? Well, I, well, you're going to have people in any administration. Look, president, you're, that's a fair, um, it's fair points that you're making, but what I would tell you, and I worked, worked, I was in meetings with the president down there and I, I watched how he operated. And I'm going to tell you, um, he came in with a whole different approach to dealing with the problems that matter to you and me, our families, this country. He was focused on when he'd have a meeting, for example, if it was a law, something to do with the border, law enforcement, whatever, he'd, huh. he'd bring in sheriffs. If it was something to do with medical uh, issues. He'd bring in the medical professionals that had their boots on the ground in communities across the nation. And he'd sit there and he'd say, what do we need to do about this? What about that? Things he, you know, he already had information about the particular topic. And he did it for one reason. It was very different than, than previous presidents because most of the time these other presidents would bring in, not that they wouldn't bring in people at times, but they would be more concerned about bringing in the members of Congress, elected officials that were there to make sure they got some benefits and how it, what their, their sort of slant on it was. He didn't care about that, whether you're Republican or Democrat. He did not care because when he created, he wanted that information because when he created the policies, he knew that those policies were going to be rooted in what information was given to him by these people who had their boots on the ground in, in these cities and towns across the nation. And that's exactly what we needed. And, and, and that cuts against the grain right. of what typically happens. And I grew up outside of Washington, D.C., and I paid a lot of attention to what was going on when I was growing up. And I just had that interest. But, but the point being, Washington is a very – it's become so terribly institutionalized with these, these people on both sides of the aisle that it became paralyzed. And we weren't getting any results. It was just a lot of talk back and forth. I testified before Congress a number of times. And you'd have, when I went to testify on, on the issues that I was talking about, you'd have these, these Democrat uh, members of Congress who, as soon as I started testifying, would just pick up their iPhones, kind of turn their chair and just start looking, doing things on their eye, not even paying attention to what I was saying. Right. And I remember <clears throat> telling Tom Homan, I said, Tom, the next time we go down there and they do that to us, the next time they do that to us, we're going to say, you know what? I came down here to give you information. You don't have to agree with me, but I took time to come down here and give you information about what my perspectives and experiences are on this topic. Sure. If you're not going to respect me and you're going to ignore me, I'm, I'm leaving here. I pay for that seat you sit in, the building you work in, and your salary. And you know what? I'm not going to have you disrespect me as a citizen who came down here to give you information. I'm out of here, and I would have walked out, and I will. And he would. But here's the thing. President Trump, when he would talk about these issues and deal with these people in Washington, they didn't like, you know, he's a, he's a tough operator. He wants, he wants the end game. He wants the results. And if you're not going to do that and have the same level of commitment and energy he has, there's going to be problems. I mean, Mike Pence worked very, very well with him. He, I mean, I, I, I thought Mike Pence was a great vice president. I think President Trump thinks that. 
He just had to disagree with him, disagree with him at the end. Um, look at Pompeo. Pompeo's still very loyal. I mean, I, I have so much respect for him. And you have to also look at the people who have continued to stay with uh, President Trump and be dedicated, committed versus those who left. Um, and I watched some of them that were not very loyal uh, when I was working uh, with the White House. And and there you're going to have that in administrations. And they can have different opinions, but ultimately in the end, it's the president who makes those decisions. So um, like them or not, like the decisions or not, I, I'll, I'll say this last thing quickly because i got to go to break, but, but I always remind people, some people say, I don't like how he said this or said that. I said, you know what? God forbid any one of us, any one of us had family members or ourselves who, who had some rare form of cancer. And we knew there was only one surgeon in the United States that had a 99% success rate at eradicating that cancer. Eh, maybe not sometimes the best bedside manner, but we knew that they had a 99% success rate. What are we going to do? And this country right now is terminally ill. We know that President Trump tackled the issues. He was given barraged every day, still is, every single day from day one when the Washington Post, when he got elected, said, this is the beginning of the impeachment of Donald Trump. Day one when he took took office. So I, I'm sorry about my long answer, but but I did want to share my experiences and my perspectives on it. And, and I appreciate yours. I hope that you'll think about those things and others will about the results that we've gotten. Uh, with the president for four years that we now know what his record is versus somebody who has no energy basically is looking every, can't wait till the end of the week to get to Rehoboth Beach or to some other place to get away from the White House and get away from the issues. Uh, unlike President Trump who works nonstop to tackle the issues. We got to go to break. Caller, thank you so much for the, for calling in and, um, and um, your perspectives. We'll be right back, 508-996-0500. I'm Tom Hutch.